Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Before we begin, please note, this series includes talk of suicide and sexual violence. Please take care while listening. So I guess we can start driving now, so we'll just meet you there in okay. 10 minutes or however sure. long it takes. Okay. So I'm just in the car now. Last night, the family gave me Sandy's coat that she had with her the night that she died, and so I'm feeling a great weight of responsibility. I'm, I'm taking the coat with me, and we're gonna go to the cemetery this morning. Sandy's body's not there, but there's a marker for her. And I'm just popping in the address. 
rolling? Yeah. Okay, so tell us where we are. We're at Greenwood Cemetery. Um, it's, I think it's the largest one in Jonesport because there's probably like 10 cemeteries here. And we are in um, our, our family cemetery for many generations, many centuries. And um, we're about to walk to where Sandy's memorialized. That's interesting. I wonder what the pennies are. Is that just to show that you've been here? I wonder what, does anyone know what pennies are put on there for? The first time I met Kim and she told me about Sandy, I don't think she imagined her cousin's story would become the subject of an entire podcast. A year went by before I asked her if she would be willing to embark on this project together. I couldn't do it without her buy-in. And Kim, she was immediately 100% a yes, which I thought was pretty brave. Because when you invite a journalist into your life, you're opening yourself up to a lot of questioning, not all of which is comfortable or feels natural. Kim was allowing me to scrutinize her long-held belief that Sandy was murdered. She was essentially giving me permission to check her work and risking the prospect of being proven wrong. Early on in the process, she invited me to come to Maine to meet the whole family and to crash a big birthday party for one of her relatives who was turning 80. This trip it was an intense two full days of interviews. For hours at a time, I sat down with members of the Beale family, and like an investigative reporter does, I peppered them with questions, trying to establish the basic undisputed facts of the case. And a lot of these questions were directed at Kim, as she was my conduit to the family and the one who had spent the most time investigating Sandy's death on her own. The final day of my trip, we drove to the cemetery where Sandy has a grave marker. I only had a few minutes before my flight back, but I wanted to get Kim's temperature after a long and emotionally grueling weekend. I'm still processing it. It was, it was definitely different to dredge it all back up. Your, the questions that you were asked, I was like, whoa, I've never thought about those things before. And then some of the things that we came up with that I thought were solid evidence. <laughs> now we got to figure out what it means and what it all was, but that was a little disturbing. But the questions you asked were, were pretty, uh, they, caught, they caught me by surprise. I have more questions than I thought I did, and I'll send them to you. I'm yeah. trusting that it's all gonna unfold and we'll get the answers that we need to help bring some closure for them. Well, for me too. I'm so glad you guys came up here. I can't believe you'd come to Jonesport, Maine and do this. From iHeartRadio, I'm Melissa Jeltson, and this is What Happened to Sandy Beale, an iHeart original podcast. Chapter 6, Divided Minds. When I first met the Beals in Maine, I made them a promise that I would keep an open mind and follow the evidence, and I wouldn't be swayed by one side or the other. It was clear from the get-go that there were two opposing sides here, minds so divided that there was very little agreement on what the most basic facts meant. The Prince George's County Police Department and the Beale family had examined the exact same documents dissected the exact same set of facts 
and come to wildly divergent conclusions about what happened to Sandy. As a pair of fresh eyes on the case, I wondered whether both sides were trapped in their own cycles of confirmation bias, processing the information in a way that aligned with their own preconceived ideas. Like the cardboard under the wheels of Sandy's car, the Beals interpreted it as a sign that Sandy was trying to leave the pole yard on the night of her death and wasn't planning to die by suicide. But this detail was not even remembered by Detective Shishelsky. It didn't register as important because it didn't fit neatly into his theory. We each are bringing our own experiences, our own beliefs, our own desires to the table so that when two people with different mindsets are given the same information to look at, by virtue of their different brains, they may interpret those things in very different ways. Jeff Kakuka is a professor of psychology at Towson University. He's an expert on how bias can influence decision-making, including in investigations. In psychology, when we talk about bias, what we're talking about is kind of like a reflex. It's something that our brains do without us even realizing that we're doing it. Once you have a conclusion in mind, um, you're no longer sort of taking in all the information and evaluating it in an objective way. Instead, what tends to happen is people will selectively seek out information that fits their existing beliefs. And if they encounter any information that goes against their existing beliefs, they'll either ignore it or find a way to somehow minimize its importance so that they can, again, sort of continue preserving that belief that existed in the first place. There's an adage that I've thought about a lot while making this podcast. It's called Hanlon's Razor, and it goes like this. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. There's a few different versions of the phrase, and sometimes incompetence is subbed for stupidity. This proverb, it's a helpful reminder not to immediately assume the worst intentions in the actions of others. That more often than not, people are careless or selfish rather than mean-spirited or evil. Of course malice exists, but if you look for it everywhere, you could risk having a distorted perception of reality. Take, for instance, Sandy's original death certificate, issued on February 18, 1977. It was given to Joanne back then and has remained in her possession ever since. At the bottom of the page, there's a line where the medical examiner must indicate the manner of death, choosing between natural causes, homicide, suicide, accident, or undetermined. You would expect the box for suicide to be checked, but it's not. Instead, there's an X through the box, undetermined manner of death. It was always an odd inconsistency that bothered the family. And a few years ago, it got even weirder. Kim requested a new copy of Sandy's death certificate. When she received the document, she was startled to find that the box for suicide now had an X too. Kim's immediate impression was that the records might have been altered to fit with the police's story. And it's entirely possible that the medical examiner's office colluded with the police to cover up her death. But the possibility also exists that it's just a typo, that the medical examiner initially stamped the wrong box and fixed it later. Incompetence or malice? 
that's the thing is these biases are so pervasive that they can affect every aspect of our decision making without even us realizing that it's happening. We have these beliefs and our brain is wired in such a way that leads us to pursue information that agrees with our beliefs rather than pursuing information that might prove us wrong. Because who likes to be proven wrong? Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. 
Happy International Women's Day. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. It's understandable why Kim and the rest of the Beale family was suspicious of Prince George's County Police. Because the investigation into Sandy's death was tainted by a clear conflict of interest. Sandy was a police trainee, and her car was filled with evidence linking her to local cops. And if PG County police officers were willing to cover up their sexual misconduct, what other wrongdoing were they capable of? If Shashelsky could forget the cardboard, what other inconvenient facts might have evaded his memory? Without trust in the police, the Beals were skeptical of everything they were told. And this is where I thought I could be of help. I wanted to bring in some unbiased experts to try to recreate what happened that night in the pole yard, inserting some impartiality into Sandy's case. That's how I met Paul Uribe, a certified forensic pathologist who has worked for the U.S. Army as well as local and state agencies. He told me he's performed over 1,500 autopsies in his career, and hundreds of those have been suicides. I gave him the rundown on Sandy's case. The keys in the ignition and the cardboard under the wheels uh, while she's in the mud, that might indicate that Sandy had been trying to leave the location that she was at. How do you interpret this kind of information in the context of a suicide? I would lump that in with, okay, what's the timeline? What happened in the hours before her death? You know, even, you know, going back like 24 hours. Why was she there? Who was she meeting with? Who did she have relations with? You know, and that would answer the question, you know, why are there cardboard under the tires? All these questions he's asking, they're great ones. We don't have answers to them, though because PG County Police closed the case before establishing these facts. That, on its face, isn't necessarily suspect, Paul said. Is every death investigated to the absolute extreme of pushing the investigation as far as we can, interviewing absolutely everyone possible, and you know, doing a full court press on every case? No, and that's, just, that's, that's largely a matter of resources and resource allocation. This reminded me of what Detective Shashelsky told me about how overworked and understaffed he was back in the 1970s. I mean, they worked us like dogs. They really did. Shashelsky told me that his immediate read of the scene was that of a suicide. There was ample evidence of it, he said. And one of the biggest factors was the gun. If it was a homicide, if it was a murder, first off, 
think the killer would have left the gun there, number one. Then, when I found out the gun belonged to her father, it's not likely that someone would have murdered her with her father's gun. But from the Beals' perspective, the gun is the most important piece of evidence that proves Sandy didn't die by suicide. The gun isn't abstract to them. It was returned to the family after Sandy's death. Sandy's brothers have shot it. They know the power it takes, the kickback after you pull the trigger. And based on their personal experience, they came to believe she couldn't have shot herself with it. Not that Sandy wouldn't, although they also believe that, but that she couldn't, that the physical evidence just didn't line up. Here's Michael and Steven. The thing about that gun, it was a 357, and it was a long gun, long barrel right yeah, uh, gun. And when that damn thing kicked, when you shot that thing, it kicked. I mean, it had a, a kick to it. So she would have to use two hands in order to shoot it. Yeah. And the trigger wasn't a hair trigger either. It had a couple of pounds of pull. Yeah. So uh, that's the other thing, you know, that kind of got me about why they said she would shoot herself because if she was able to manage that, that friggin' gun would have shot off, would have taken off right through the side glass window. And Kim shared this opinion, that it was impossible Sandy shot herself. And when I met with the Prince George's County Police, they were so insistent on, you just don't understand. We've seen lots of things like that. And I finally just said, if you can prove to me through ballistics and show me the trajectory and all the opportunities that this was suicide, then I'll believe you, but not until then. All your evidence completely um, goes against the evidence that I have. She did not commit suicide. Listening to Detective Shashelsky and the Beale family, I was faced with two different interpretations of the same evidence. And so I asked Paul for his opinion, and he turned my attention to Sandy's hands. When you fire a revolver, especially a 357 Magnum, there's a, loud, a lot of gunpowder that explodes. And a lot of that gunpowder comes out through what's called a cylinder gap. So say if you have your hand over that cylinder gap or even adjacent to it when you discharge it, you can get you know soot on your hand that way. Both of Sandy's hands had gunpowder on them, according to the police report. Paul said he would interpret this to mean that Sandy was either holding the gun or had her hands very close to it when it was fired. So would it be possible to have soot on your hands and not have been the one to pull the trigger if you were in a small, enclosed environment? It could be, like if you were grabbing for the gun to push it away or something like that. I've done cases where two people are struggling for a gun and... The gun goes off, and it's very difficult to tell who, you know, who pulled the trigger because they both might have had their finger on the trigger or someone had their finger on the trigger, and the other person, you know, is grabbing their hand to try and either keep them from pulling the trigger, usually to keep them from pulling the trigger. Paul pointed out that Sandy was also shot at very close range, which is characteristic of a suicide. Now, if it's a contact wound, it's either one of two things, either you know, the person put the gun to their head and pulled the trigger, in this case, put the gun to, you know, she put the gun to her abdomen and pulled the trigger, or someone else put the gun to her abdomen and pulled the trigger. And then that's where, okay, we're looking for, we're looking for other evidence to support that or rule that out. 
So I can tell you the range. I can tell you the trajectory. I can tell you what it injured. I can tell you, you know, I can give you maybe a little estimate of survivability, maybe. So I, I can tell you all of those things, but I can't tell you who shot it. I asked him about the lack of fingerprints on the gun. Turns out Paul didn't find this that unusual. Firearms are notoriously hard to test for prints. One study estimated that fingerprints are recovered from firearms only about 13% of the time. And that's nowadays. Uh, because of, say, you know, the texture on the handle or you know, just a partial print at an odd location of the gun, they, they might not be able to get it. And, and I would also have to know, okay, what is the fingerprinting policies and procedures of the Prince George's County Police Department's circa 1977? And, you know, did they follow that procedure? Reading the autopsy report, Sandy's gunshot wound is described in excruciating and impersonal detail. Quote, the wound is slightly ovoid, a quarter inch in diameter, and is surrounded by an eighth inch rim of abrasion resembling muzzle imprint. Powder is noted in the wound margins. I asked Paul, based on everything that's in the autopsy and the police report, and taking into consideration the family's significant questions, if it was possible that Sandy shot herself. If you put your hand right at the base of your rib cage or base of your sternum, move it over about three inches to you know the bottom of your rib margin, that's where the entrance was. Now, once again, if she were to do this herself, she could fire the gun essentially holding the handle of the gun with her gun with her with her left thumb on the trigger, which is sort of like holding it backwards, essentially which is consistent with her kind of holding her left hand across her body, so to speak, and then likely firing the gun with her thumb on the trigger. And that could also explain why they didn't find any fingerprints on the gun as well. Paul could see a scenario in which Sandy shot herself and caused the injuries described in her autopsy. What had been unthinkable to the Beals was a real probability to Paul. Still, he admitted that the case was unusual. How many times in your career, if you remember, have you seen a teenage girl shoot herself? Handful. Probably less than five. Ever in the abdomen? No. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The stories Sandy's family tell about her emphasize her sense of humor and her protective instincts. She was quick to speak her mind and stand up for herself. Her family knew her to be cheerful, focused, hardworking. She was a well-adjusted kid who they trusted. And based on their knowledge of her, 
as a daughter and a sister and a cousin, they didn't believe Sandy would take her own life. It was incomprehensible to them. It didn't match the person they knew. But during this reporting, I found out a lot of things they didn't know about Sandy. Things that were happening in her life. And as painful as it is to contemplate now, there's probably a lot they didn't know about how she was feeling. Sandy died surrounded by police paraphernalia. Her dashboard held a shift schedule card, a duty rig, and newspaper clippings about cops. And she was found in a location where cops like to gather. Her family believed that she was protected in the presence of police. But I think it's more likely that all that time she spent hanging out with them was actually an opportunity for abuse. From what I've discovered, it seems obvious that at least some police officers took advantage of Sandy, pursuing inappropriate sexual relationships with the teenager. And in this climate, Sandy became pregnant and had an abortion, in secret. If she was being mistreated by police, then I imagine she would have felt very alone, possibly scared, and she probably didn't know how to make it stop. Sandy kept these painful parts of her life hidden. She presented to the outside world as fine. And to her family, this was strong evidence that she couldn't have died by suicide because they didn't see it coming. Their assumption about suicide was that if Sandy had been considering it, her pain would have been so visible it could not go unnoticed. But that's not always the case. If you think about human nature, what makes it up? Purpose, meaning, contribution, and connection. Thomas Joyner is a researcher at Florida State University. He spends his days researching ways to prevent suicide. It's a deep puzzle about human nature, about why this would happen. The Beals have not been able to answer this. Why Sandy would have thought that this was the best option for her. And this question is the subject of Thomas's research which explores what's happening in the minds of people who are suicidal. If you become that convinced that you're a burden on other people, and if you feel like you're um, disconnected and cut off, ostracized, alienated, if you feel those two things deeply, and then also permanently, that they're, they're intractable, that they're, they'll never change, that, that mixture is the danger zone where people might take their lives. Of those who find themselves in this dangerous zone, of feeling deeply alienated, a burden to others, and convinced that those feelings will never change, not all attempt suicide. The vast majority of people who experience suicidal ideation do not act on it. To put it in perspective, around 46,000 people die from suicide every year in the U.S. About a million more attempt it, and many, many more around 12 million people seriously think about it. Yeah, it's one thing to talk about death in the abstract, but to actually face it in reality, totally different matter. Not everybody has the requisite fearlessness, pain tolerance, even practical knowledge to have the capacity to even enact suicide, even if they really genuinely desire to do so. Did Sandy have those things? I know she had access to a gun, her father's, 
and her brother Michael actually told me that he'd seen Sandy take it on a few occasions. Sandy said she was borrowing the gun for target practice. So it follows that Sandy would have known how to use it. And suicide as a form of death, of course, is, is fearsome and scary and daunting. And so to face it fully, to stare it down, you need a capacity to do that. Not everybody has it. I told Thomas about the Beals' vivid memory of Sandy as a happy, high-functioning teenager. Sometimes it does look like that. Suicide does look sudden. What does that mean? Does it mean it, it was truly impulsive? Or might it mean, for example, that the person was very successful in concealing their ongoing misery and planning? And I think it's the latter. I think it's clearly the latter, but there is debate about that. And, and that, that can hurt to the loved ones. You know, it seems like she would have told us, you know, we're the family, we're the loved ones. But a way to understand that is that she felt maybe that this was a, a profound burden that she's carrying, that she's a burden to everybody. She felt that maybe on the inside to share that with others, in her view, might have further burdened them. A sudden death in anyone, is, is a tragedy. And, and it doesn't matter what the cause was. That, that's going to grieve families and, 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 and trouble families for years or even decades. And then to add the additional layer of, it, it wasn't just an accident or an illness. It, they took their own lives. That hurt. That, that really hurt. And, and I don't think it need be very different than a car accident or, or a heart attack. But to, to get to that place, you have to have a, a particular understanding of, of the suicidal mindset that most people, most families don't have. I asked Thomas what to make of the fact that Sandy had plans for the future. She was moving to Maine. She was actively pursuing a career in law enforcement. Even her abortion could be considered a sign that she was thinking ahead, planning for the life she wanted. She was still balancing her checkbook right before she died. If you have plans, it, it either means that uh, suicide's not on your mind at all. It can mean that. Or if you have plans, it can mean that there's a struggle going on in your mind, a, an argument, a debate between death and life, an ambivalence that's going back and forth, tilting back and forth. And when it tilts toward death, planning for future activities ceases pretty much and planning for suicide kicks in. And then when it tilts back towards the other side of the ambivalence towards life, then you might, you know, put the suicide planning on the shelf, so to speak, and, and kick in plans for activities. And so it, it, most go through this ambivalence process than most or all. We'll have plans for tomorrow, plans for next week, just like anyone else will. It's a striking concept that someone could be planning their life one minute, then end it the next. And it made me think once more about the cardboard under Sandy's tires. Could Sandy have been experiencing a struggle in her mind, feeling ambivalence between life and death? Maybe at some point she was planning on leaving the pole yard until she made a new plan. 
I told all of this to Kim, what I learned from Thomas about suicide, and what I gleaned from Paul, who reviewed Sandy's autopsy with me. And she listened, took in all the facts with a gentle smile and a deferential nod. It was something she would need to think about, she told me. So we casually said goodbye, and I expected to hear from her soon. And I did, because as I've been reporting this story, Kim has relentlessly continued her own parallel investigation. Every time I spoke to her, she had her sights set on something new, a new document to obtain or piece of evidence to examine. On her list of critical items to track down was Sandy's full medical file, which was held at the medical examiner's office in Maryland. Kim left me this voice memo after her last visit there. Okay, it is... I think the 22nd at 3 o'clock. I just left the uh, medical examiner's office. And when I got there, it was like, God just opened the doors because the door just opened and she's like, okay, come on in. So I got right up to the fourth floor and um, this really nice lady named Linda. And she was just most helpful and um, called the medical records. Medical records were familiar with my name already, which was kind of cool. You know, and I showing her, oh, I have the autopsy report. I don't need the autopsy report. I need the medical records. I need slides. I need anything else in there that could help me get this case reopened. Although she already had Sandy's autopsy, she knew it was only part of the file on her cousin's death. She wanted to see what else she might be able to discover hidden in the depths of the archives. Specifically, she was looking for biological evidence, the sperm that was collected from Sandy's body, to see if it could be tested for DNA. And she was looking for photos, which she hoped would offer new insight into Sandy's death. And after about a half hour, Mike came out and um, very nice guy. He's retired firefighter, retired vet from Army. He said for sure for any DNA, I'm going to have to get a subpoena. There's absolutely no way around it. Um, he said there's probably going to be pictures in there. So that's where we stand. He was very helpful. I know he'll help me. I think I've got their hmm, curiosity intrigued anyway. So I do feel like they're going to help me. Her ultimate goal was to stumble onto something, anything, that might get Sandy's case reopened, forcing Prince George's County to take a deeper look. So, I don't know. If we could just get them to open it, that would be really awesome. I don't likely see that happening because they're pretty convinced that this is a suicide. Reopening the case would mean that it would be considered an active investigation again. It would mean that the police might interview Doug or test the sperm or track down the cops that supervised Sandy in the Explorer program so many years ago. Anyway, that's where we stand. It was a good meeting. Um, We'll see. Kim flew back to Texas with a new agenda of trying to get a subpoena to retrieve and test the DNA in Sandy's file. But before she could follow through, she received an email. It was from Bernie Nelson, a cold case detective from Prince George's County. He wanted to meet Kim in person to talk. I asked if I could tape the conversation, and PG County said no. But Kim met with him, and that meeting changed everything. So this is 11 o'clock on Monday morning. 
he asks. Um, so how did all this podcast stuff happen? We've talked a lot about suicide this episode. If you or someone you know is considering self-harm, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text STRENGTH to Crisis Text Line at 741-741. What Happened to Sandy Beal is hosted by me, Melissa Jeltson. It's written and produced by me and Katrina Norvell. The podcast is edited by Abu Safar. Sound design by Aaron Kaufman. Jason English is our executive producer. Research and production assistance by Marissa Brown. To find out more about my investigation, follow me on Twitter at Quasimado. That's Q-U-A-S-I-M-A-D-O. Thanks so much for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in in your open space. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.